Good morning. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to take it out. If you're joining us this morning online or if you're in the chapel, if you'll pull it out. We want to look at Romans chapter 15 as we're walking through the book of Romans. You can also find it electronically and figure out some way to get uh, Instagram turned off in the background. But yes, here we go. Romans chapter 15. Coffee brings me pleasure. There was Amen's first hour for that. I don't I'm holding in my hand my uh, favorite mug to currently drink coffee out of at our house. And uh, this is a mug I got <coughs> for Rebecca. Uh, it reminds me of the place where we go in the summers uh, to see her family and to go camp. Problem is, is I can't really do caffeine very well. I shake if I drink caffeine in the morning. So usually my go-to time for coffee is either later in the morning if I'm home or like 2 o'clock in the afternoon if I'm here at work. Uh, some of the staff actually will joke with it. If they hear the coffee maker turn on at 2, they know Sam's going to get his afternoon cup of coffee. And I have a way that I like my coffee. Uh, partly because, again, I'm not man enough to do the caffeine, I, I will dilute my coffee. If y'all want to boo now, you can do that. So I'll do like a third coffee, a third water, and a third oat milk. Oat milk walked into my life like a year ago. Has anyone ever had oat milk before? Yes? So I'm not like lactose intolerant, but dairy's not great with me. Like my stomach just reacts. Almond milk makes the coffee taste funny. Oat milk is like, ha, 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 like it's. So last weekend at our house, we ran out of oat milk. Rebecca just happened to be at the grocery store at that point, so I texted her, hey, we're out of oat milk. She gets home, she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get your text until after. And I'm like, no oat milk? Coffee brings me pleasure. So, early in the week, I end up at a grocery store, but I'm actually on my way to work. So I got oat milk for our staff and brought oat milk for the office here. But when it was my study day, I didn't have any oat milk. So I went to a grocery store and they were out of oat milk. And oat milk brings me pleasure. So I finally, actually, this was uh, on the way. I don't know, where are we going on Friday with the girls? We were going to something. I saw a grocery store. I, I pick up oat milk on the way to another event so that it would just be in the car so that when I got home, and I don't know how long it would keep. And as I was studying this passage this week and going through this great dilemma around my coffee, and what brings me pleasure, I was really convicted. 
I was convicted because I realized that God wants something so much more for me than my coffee. And I don't know what it is in your life that you go to for pleasure to bring satisfaction to you. You know, the the United States, right? Founding documents, life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? My happiness. That's what I'm supposed to do, right? But when I pursue my pleasure, my happiness, it doesn't ever really seem to satisfy me. Like, even when I get my oatmeal coffee all right, like the first, like, three minutes is amazing, and then it's starting to get not the right temperature anymore. You ever notice that? What happened? I can't get no satisfaction. I try and I try. What is it that you're going to right now to bring pleasure to yourself? Uh, What is it you're pursuing to satisfy you? I want Paul today to show you that God wants to satisfy. But he wants to satisfy in something that's so much greater than your coffee and oatmeal. Stand with me if you have your Bible. We stand to honor God's word. I'll start reading in chapter 15, verse 1. Here's what we read. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. What? What about coffee? Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to bring him up for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have, look at this incredible satisfaction, hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with coffee? No. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Pray with me. You can be seated, or if you're able to take a knee, I want to invite you to your knees. Let's, let's pray. I want to invite you right now to just confess to God, what is it that you're going to right now to pursue pleasure? It may not be a bad thing. I mean, oat milk and coffee is good, I think. What is it that you're pursuing pleasure in? Can you just talk to God about that? Just be open with him about that right now. Uh, God, we approach you as a people that really seek to please ourselves so much. And, and we, we recognize, even when we read the secular studies, it, it tells us that if we're trying to please ourselves, it's not going to happen. God, help us see what you invite us into today. God, I pray that you would teach me what you've been teaching me this week, even as I preach this morning, that I would learn more of the pleasure that you really give if I'm not pursuing pleasure myself. God, help me see that today. God, help us live for your glory. God, I pray that as I open my mouth, words would be given to me that I would fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel that I proclaim boldly as I should. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to ask a question as we're walking through, again, the way you can do that is you can text the word question to 96123, the word question to 96123, and then middle of the week, we always release a podcast where we wrestle with diving deeper on some of these questions you ask around the text. And thank you, by the way, for the questions you're asking because it's helping me learn. You're helping me see sides that I haven't seen as we dive deeper into the text. So if you want to ask questions, do that. Back up to verse 15, chapter 15, verse 1. Let's see what Paul teaches us. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Chapter 14, Paul has been teaching those in the church how to deal with people in the church that have different convictions than you. And he actually calls the strong in chapter 14 the ones who are not as legalistic around some of their interpretation of what laws in the Old Testament they still had to do. If you're reading through the Bible reading plan right now, it's interesting that Jerusalem, I didn't even realize this until I was reading this morning, uh, had sent two letters to the other churches asking them, please still don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. So there's, there's reasons why they were having this d division. And Paul says the role, and this is always the role, by the way, of the strong person, if the gospel role of the strong is to serve the weak. And he says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and this is what he says, and not to please ourselves. Not to please ourselves? What? Wait a minute. Paul, surely you don't mean that. I mean, I, it's okay for me to, I think it is all actually okay to have coffee and oat milk. That's not a bad thing. If that's what you're living for, what's the alternative? 
Keep going, verse 2. Let each of us please his neighbor. Notice turning now from just inside the walls of the church outside, and Paul's going to do that in the next two chapters. It's going to be a missional focus for him. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. He says, okay, instead of you living your, your life just, just focused on when are you going to get your next oat milk, what does it look like for you to live looking for the way you can do that for your neighbor? He's going to teach us around loving our neighbor three different ways here in the passage, but what does he tell us to do? And here's what we'll see. We'll tell us what he's telling us to do, how to do it, and why. The how is radical. What does he want us to do? Love your neighbor. How? Look how radical the how is. Verse 3. For Christ did not please himself. This is the Messiah, Jesus. Jesus did not please himself. He didn't come serving himself, pleasing himself. But as it's written, the reproaches, he's quoting now out of Psalm 69. Psalm 69 is a passage that's written about a good and righteous man who endures undeserved suffering. And that passage, multiple times New Testament, we're told is about Jesus. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written, now he's going to talk about what was written about Jesus in the former days, was written for our instruction that through endurance, I guess as we are enduring, loving our neighbor, not pleasing ourselves, but pleasing our neighbor like Jesus did, and through the encouragement of the scripture, we might have, what's the word there? We might have what? Hope. 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 Not like hope that we can find oat milk at the store, like hope. Verse 5, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another as we are loving one another like Christ has loved us. Living in one harmony with one another that in accords with Christ Jesus. Okay, so read that verse again. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord, accord there, it's like not like a Honda, like it's saying just like Jesus. Like he's saying, I, I want you to live loving and, and defaulting to bringing pleasure to the other like Jesus did for you. It's almost like he's saying, I want you to live in love like Jesus. That would be like a good church mission statement, right? Make <laughs> disciples who live in love like Jesus. So what does he want us to do? He wants us to love your neighbor. How does he want us to love our neighbor? Look how high he puts the bar, as Christ has loved you. This is a radical high. How are we supposed to do this? Love our neighbor the way that Christ has loved us. Why? Why? And the great why that's all over Scripture, verse 6, that. Uh, if you've grown up in churches that try to dig into Scripture, maybe you've heard churches talk about the word in Greek, henna. 
This henna is the word that. The henna clause tells us what is happening as a result. He's telling us to do this so that, so that this result will happen. There's a big why that he wants to show up in our lives. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's, here's why I want you to love your neighbor so you'll feel good. No, I want you to love your neighbor like just as Jesus has loved you. Why? For the glory of God. Now, what Paul does is he gets closer to the end of the book of Romans is he, he's going to tie a bow on, on what, what happened at the beginning of Romans. And I don't know if you remember in Romans chapter 1, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, this, this good news that there's a new king, right, and a new kingdom, that the battle's been won, that you and I get welcomed into his kingdom now as citizens, as followers of Jesus. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Now we just got to celebrate that a little bit, right? But he said there's this problem in chapter 1. He says that we, we exchanged the glory of God that we get to see in the gospel for images. Y'all remember that? And we start to serve the creature, our pleasure, which is all the end of chapter 1, instead of his glory. And Paul wants to bring your life, in fact, your satisfaction, back to perspective and back to the place where you can get satisfaction. It's in the glory of God. Um, it's, it's interesting to me in a culture that's as self-centered as ours is that we still like to look at the sky I got to go on a field trip this spring with my oldest daughter's school, and we went to Big Bend National Park. And at Big Bend National Park, they brought with us an astronomer. And the astronomer would teach us about the sky. And it was like, I, I mean, everybody just mouth open looking at the sky. I'm going to show you all a picture. This is a picture that he took, the astronomer, of the sky, those are our tents. Y'all know that's not like a, a jet stream going through the middle of the sky there, that's the Milky Way. David writes in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare what? The glory of God. Uh, his son writes that God has placed in every man's heart eternity. And it doesn't matter how much you pursue the coffee here on earth, that bubble is going to pop. That's meaningless. It's Havel, right? It doesn't matter what you're pursuing for pleasure. That will not satisfy you. I mean, you can study Solomon. Solomon had all of it. He's the best guy to write the Amazon review. He had all of it. And he said, it doesn't satisfy. There's only one thing that can satisfy you. And that is the glory of God. You were made for his glory. 
not your coffee. Okay, so Paul, if you're saying that I'm supposed to love my neighbor like Christ has loved me for the glory of God, how do these things even connect? I feel like they're just weird that you've said it in this order, Paul. It's almost like Paul recognizes that we're going to have a hard time getting it, so he says it again. In fact, the next verse actually has it all in one verse, and then he's going to expand on it more. Watch what he says in verse 7. Therefore, what I just told you, love your neighbor as Christ has loved you for the glory of God. Therefore, welcome one another. Your translation might say, accept one another. This word welcome showed up in chapter 14 two different times. It's this radical, sincere acceptance of people who actually have different convictions than you in chapter 14. He says, I want you to love your neighbor in such a way that you're able to welcome them, accept them. Another English translation for that word, receive one another. How? Well, as Christ has received you, has welcomed you. As Christ has welcomed you, why? For the glory of God. Okay, Father, we love you, we worship and adore you, glorify your name in all the earth. How do we glorify his name in all the earth? How do we get our mindset on, on his glory? He says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. You see how he's connecting those two? Like, okay, what, God, how do, we, how, do we get, uh, uh, how do we get to the point where we're worshiping him? Well, what he's done, what he's done. All blessing and so let's let's back up. We just talked about the glory of God in the sky. How do we we see the glory of God? We we welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. When was the last time you thought about how Christ has welcomed you? Uh, the, the first part of this verse, y'all you know, you know the the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would what? Have them do unto you. Like Paul takes the golden rule, do unto others as you have to do unto you, and then he like puts the Jesus trump card on it. And he says, love one another the way that Jesus has loved you. Like in a radical Christ-like way, I want you to, I want you to accept people the way that Jesus, has, well how did Jesus accept you? How did Jesus welcome you? Well it wasn't based on what you did, right? Paul says, while we were yet sinners, Christ came and he died for us. A few weeks ago, I was in the car with uh, two ministers on our team, and we were going on a hospital visit. Uh, by the way, the first way that you connect to pastoral care in our church is being part of a life group. In a church this size, that's where the front line is on us finding out that someone's sick and cared and hurt. That's, that's where it happens. If you're not in a life group, we'd love to help you find one. But we were going to, to, to visit someone in our church, and while we were in the car, we, we were talking about the cross, and one of them brought my attention back to a sermon that I had heard in the past and hadn't thought about in a while. It was a sermon by a guy with an English accent by the name of Alistair Begg. Sometimes for y'all's benefit, I wish I had an English accent. I'm sorry. I would be a lot more fun to listen to if I did. But Alistair Begg tells a story about the man beside Jesus on the cross who ended up in heaven. Y'all know this story. 
And Alistair Begg, he said, hey, I, we know the story, right? Uh, Jesus is being made fun of, in fact, by that man at one point on the cross. They were both ridiculing him. And at one point, something clicks. And he, he, he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus says, today, what? You will be with me in paradise. So we know he ended up with, with Jesus in heaven that day. So let, let's just play this out. Like the guy shows up in heaven. He's a criminal being crucified on the cross. All of a sudden, he's in heaven. And a guy looks over and says, hey, how did you get here? And the guy's like, uh, uh, Jesus. Like, I don't know. Like, Jesus. And the guy said, well, uh, where'd you go to church? I didn't. Uh, when were you baptized? I wasn't. <laughs> uh, what, what, what did you do good? I actually did a lot of bad. How did you get here? And then Alistair said, the man on the middle cross said I could come. Do you remember how Christ accepted you? While we were yet sinners, Christ welcomed us in. He welcomed us. He accepted us. He received us. And he wants us to do that with others. I've heard someone say it this way. The way that you know how close someone is to the gospel in their life is how accepting and welcoming they are of people who are a mess. It's only when we understand that we are loved and accepted by Christ that we live in response to that in a way that's radically loving of other people. And guess what happens? Guess what happens? Well, he says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. You want something in your life that satisfies a lot better than coffee? Love your neighbor as Christ has loved you for the glory of God. Now verse 8 we see a little more even of what the whole Bible is getting at, pushing us outward to love people. Verse 8, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised. You want to love your neighbor as Christ has loved you? Serve your neighbor. He became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. What he's going to say, he's going to say, I want you to love others as Christ has loved you for the glory of God, but not just so you get to taste in his glory. It's so that a whole lot of people who are not like you get to taste in his glory. That's what he wants us to get to be part of. And he, he's going to say now, and he's going to give you a little cheat notes because it probably doesn't say this in your Bible. He's going to quote out of all the different parts of the Hebrew Old Testament. They had law, they had writings, and they had prophets. And he's going to quote out of the law and say, guess what? This is what the Bible says was going to happen. 
How the writings, say, this, this, that's what the writings, it's what the prophet said was going to happen. This is, what's, this is what it's about. It's about us going and bringing the hope of Jesus to the world by loving those people the way that Jesus loved us so that they can be part of the glory of God with us. Here's what he says. Keep going. He's going to quote now. Again, he loves to quote the Old Testament. As it is written, therefore... I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will praise you. I'll praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come even he who arises to rule the Gentiles and in him will the Gentiles hope. Yesterday, we had a, a meeting uh, with our leadership team and the leadership team at The McKinney First. And we are gonna get to have, in a few weeks, our, our next pulpit swap with The McKinney First and worship team swap with The McKinney First. And I talked to many people in our church that look forward to that day. In fact, almost to a point where I'm like, really, do you ever want me to preach again? Because we could just bring him over. I mean, uh, Lewis is going to come and he's going to bring the word of God like he does. He's going to preach the gospel with passion and power. And he brings it in a little different way than I do. And he's reaching people and different people than I do. And that's not a bad thing. But we on purpose, and so what he did when we were together is he said, hey, I want to remind you why we are doing this. And then he took us to Revelation, the book of Revelation, and he showed us in the end how every tribe and every tongue are going to worship God together around the throne, praising his name, the multicultural kingdom of God together as one before Christ, the glory of God being experienced by all. That's what this is all about. And guess what? We get to taste it now. How? We love our neighbors as Christ has loved us for the glory of God. Guess what happens? Verse 13. May the God of hope. Again, he had just said the Gentiles will hope that we would have hope in verse 4. May the God of hope fill you. I don't know when the last time I finished a cup of coffee and thought, man, I am now completely satisfied. I won't need anything else ever again, right? That's not the way it works, is it? There's only one that can do that. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in coffee. No, in oat milk. No, in believing, and believing in who and him, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Oh, church family, I, with you, need to be reminded not to please myself, but to love my neighbor the way that Christ has loved me for the glory of God, for the glory of God, for the glory of God of God, the glory of God. I don't know what it is uh, that is your coffee, uh, but I, I want to close uh, by, by sharing with you a video that I saw first in Perspectives. In this spring, we're gonna get to have our next Perspectives class. You'll hear more about that. It, it will radically flip your life upside down uh, around mission. And this girl, in fact, I, I love, I love that we have 
in our room interpreters, and we have people in our room that worship speaking even a different language than we do. And this is a story about a girl who used coffee, something she loved, but not for her pleasure. It was for her neighbor, like Jesus, for the glory of God. As you watch, think about maybe how it is in your life God could allow you to do the same. How is it that you can turn your pursuit of pleasure, which will not satisfy if it's about you, into loving your neighbor as Christ has loved you for the glory of God. This week, um, people in our church, I, I found out, I actually didn't know this after first hour, somebody said, hey, I just got back, mission trip, building houses in South Texas, four other men in our church family. We have a, a group right now that is in Cambodia working with people who've never heard the name of Jesus, church planting. Uh, Johnny Barrett has gone back to Moldova in Moldova, working with one of our partners, Crusade, and helping uh, minister to refugees from the Ukraine. I think sometimes we just think those are the, the heroes, right? Uh, first hour, Steve and Debbie Wilson were sitting right here. Uh, this weekend, Steve and Debbie Wilson led a marriage conference in Louisiana. And man, Louisiana needs Jesus. They are not like us, right? No, I'm kidding. For all those of you in LSU fan, no. Um, at the marriage conference this weekend, 13 people said yes to Jesus. As they were sharing the love of Christ, loving them the way that Christ had loved. One of, one of the couples that was there had divorced in June. Last kind of dish effort ended up at this conference together and decided to get remarried. In fact, said, we want to do it today, which was yesterday. And they exchanged their vows again yesterday. I think we think of the people that are going to South Texas or are in, yeah, on the mission field to Moldova and we think, well, those, no, there are thousands, some thousand, hundreds and hundreds of people today that are going to leave this building to be sent for the glory of God into our city this week to love their neighbors as Christ has loved them. To share, like we're going to train you on Saturday if you don't know how to do with evangelism, and to make disciples. Are you ready for that? I'm going to invite you right now just to stop and to say, God, I pray that you'd help me, help me turn my attention from my own pursuit of pleasure to your glory. And ask him, what does it look like for you this week to, to take a step that direction, to intentionally Please your neighbor, intentionally accept, welcome your neighbor, to, to intentionally serve your neighbor as Christ has served you for the glory of God. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? 
Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.